0: This is Coda Radio, episode 88 for February 10th, 2014. Everyone, you're listening to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our three fine sponsors: GoDaddy, Ting, and DigitalOcean. i will tell you more about those great sponsors as this fantastic show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our host, our excellent host, I should say, on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael.
1: Hey there, Chris. Hey there,
0: Michael. <laughs> How's the snow? How's the weather over there?
1: Wonderful. Yeah, yeah.
0: Have you been in like a winter apocalypse?
1: So it hasn't been quite the apocalypse that Sandy was. I mean, yeah. that was well, truly like, you know, literally. flashback style apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just been, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, in the last decade, New Jersey hasn't had a really severe winter. I mean, last year was kind of rough, but other than that, we really haven't had much. Mm-hmm. So, people's tolerance for snow is. Um,
0: like they forget. They forget how Like to, virtually non existent. Yeah yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. It so snowed here yesterday and it shut down the, the city for the whole day. <laughs>
1: basically, my week last week and partially the week before it was like at least 50% shut
0: down. So, is that a good thing or is that just basically become a stressful thing? Because, like, sometimes. It, it
1: becomes a stressful thing for me. Yeah. 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 Because what happens is, of course. Uh, projects get delayed, um, sales get put off, meetings get canceled. And I, I have this weird theory that the longer, particularly on the on the bidding process, the longer the process goes, the yep. less likely you are to yep. actually close them.
0: Yep, and the more likely they get cold feet or change their minds. Right. Yeah, I've noticed that too.
1: So it's kind of a disaster. <laughs> Um, uh, also because it's it's super inconvenient. It's not like a day off where I can like if this happened in the summer and people just arbitrarily took half of mm-hmm. two weeks off, mm-hmm. you know, I lived near the beach, I'd go to the beach, I would actually do something fun,
0: yeah, I'll tell you, you know a couple of weeks ago when uh, gmail had an outage for about a half hour, I was like, this is like a snow day. it was like it was awesome because I couldn't yeah. work i so I just got up, made some phone calls, and like it was this was an incredible feeling, but if it had gone on for much more than an hour or so, um you know that level of being shut down it's like it starts to hurt starts to hurt i feel your pain thankfully here the snow's already pretty much melted i mean we came in it went
1: it's pretty much melted here now we're at that weird phase where people know you know this is going to be pretty much it so they're abusing it one more time to take a day off or to get a (laughs) snow day um i mean we may get more on wednesday but it's all going to be fairly trivial according to the uh, yahoo weather but i you know it's funny because oh the roads are icy i'm like yeah were they icy saturday because I think everybody was out on the road. All
0: right, is your phone icy? What about your email? Yeah. Is that icy? Yeah. So it's. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, it's kind of. Um, it's ice everywhere. Well, I, I understand it because, you know, particularly we're coming on tax season. So I know a lot of the types of people I deal with are going to be very uh, pressured. Hello, everybody. Thank you. Oh, Barack, we need to talk.
0: He's a jackass.
1: So the thing with taxes is they need to not go higher. <laughs> you're, you're going the wrong way.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Because you know why? It's
1: negative in the freedom and dimension. You know what's going
0: to happen? I think that we should
1: all make those businesses fail. Oh, there you that go. That might happen. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I'm, I I can either confirm nor deny that I've been doing my books and crying
0: myself to sleep. Um. <laughs> I can confirm that. Well, I, <laughs> I got it. Why don't we warm up uh, with our first email here? Why don't we just this will this will make us feel better? Uh, Matthew wrote in. He says, "Dear Coffee Radio, I ran across this article while listening to the latest Coda Radio show and thought it was of interest. I've recently purchased my first batch of green coffee, the the Ethiopian Hyundai oil variety, with the purpose of cutting the middleman out and getting the great taste in my own hands. Just need the time to roast it now." I guess that's the next logical step for you as well, right? Great show as always, although I'm not sure about all the coding talk interrupting the coffee goodness. What's with that? And he includes a uh, a link to the biggest coffee drinkers by country. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm drinking, uh, something. I grab the bag right now. I tell you what, I, I would not even, I don't even think I'd be sitting up at this chair right now if it wasn't for this right. great coffee. I mean, this is saving the day these days.
1: Yeah. I mean, I had an entire French press this morning, uh, though I don't have any right now because I'm trying not to kill myself.
0: Yeah, I'm trying not to overdo it because that is an urge I have sometimes when I'm really tired is to drink too much.
1: I tracked it last week. I'm drinking roughly six to eight cups of coffee a day.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: Yeah, so I'm trying to keep it down to four.
0: (laughs) Here, Here, I'll be right back. I'm going to grab the bag that I'm – because it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. one was sent in to me by Heimer16. Heimer16, he's often in our chat room during the Coder Radio program. And this here is – as green as it gets, as green as it gets, coffee is pure, shade-grown, yeah. uh, Arabian, uh, Arabian, oh, jeez, coffee-grown in the mountains of Guatemala. Uh, and, oh, man, it smells so good. So uh, I've just been taking a little bit out every day, grinding it up, putting it in the AeroPress, and, uh, you know, I've been thinking, too. I I, you know, I never really understood why people spend so much money on coffee at, at coffee shops. Like, it just seems like such a money sink, like at Starbucks and whatnot.
1: But Starbucks coffee is a whole other issue. But
0: like, if the coffee was really good, I could mm-hmm. kind of see it because like this is a really nice part of my morning now. And um, the only thing I don't like about it is like my electric kettle takes like ten to fifteen minutes yeah. to get to temperature, and it's, it's oh, kind you have of an a electric
1: light. kettle. Well, I, want, I, I what? Yeah, I'm I'm just boiling water in a pot.
0: That's what I was gonna do, but then um, I noticed that people who really get into their coffee. Later on, appreciate like the precision temperature control and like different different beans can you know uh, taste better at different temperatures. So I wanted the ability to say one ninety you know or whatever like and just set it right on the on the money. Um, And electric kettle is nice in the sense that you know I can just walk away and know it's not going to get too hot, which is good. But it just takes forever to get going, so that's that's the downside.
1: Oh, while we're on the coffee thing, I should definitely thank Jonathan Meek and uh, Florian, whose name I don't, whose last name I. Don't know if I can say because I don't think he gave me permission uh, for sending me the coffee last week. That was or a few weeks ago. It's been awesome. Yeah, <laughs> one was a very dark roast and one was a more medium roast. That's but awesome. It, it's kind of like an. It, it was weird because they almost came on this. They came in the same week. I think one was like a Monday and one was a Tuesday. So it was like, oh, now I can pair these off against each other. Great.
0: Yeah, it is really fun. It's and it, it's like I and it's the other thing. we So I've been sent a few bags too. And the thing that's really great about it is like I'm such a coffee noob that I'd have no idea. Yeah. Like, just to test out my whole, like, system, I bought a bag off Amazon. And I know that's, you know, and now that it, since I've gotten these bags of coffee from, from the listeners, I, I've I've never even gone back to that bag from Amazon. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I know that's bad.
1: <laughs> so, uh, I've subscribed to a service called Tonks. Now, Tonks sponsors podcasts that don't equal this one. That's true. But but, uh, but I'm going to be cool and link them in the chat room anyway.
0: You know, I've heard about Tonks from some of those other podcasts, and that's what yeah. I was kind of thinking is once the, once the listeners... Uh, um, um, are no longer having fun sending us coffee. I thought, uh, cause that's, I can't, probably can't ride that train forever. It's been awesome so far, but eventually yes. I might have to switch out to Tonks or something.
1: It's, it's actually, you know, I tried it out cause they had a trial and it, it It was surprisingly
0: good. What is good about it? Cause it's like, isn't it, it's like a coffee of the month club kind of a thing, right?
1: That's exactly what it is. It's, it's, so they give, I think it's like a half pound or a quarter pound of the coffee of the month, but it's super fresh. Um, and they're right now they're sending very earthy south american coffees yeah and i'm just loving it
0: it makes sense that if you had a subscription based model then you would know okay we can afford to go buy these crops we can afford to go to these yeah. places like they can budget and forecast because of the subscription model so i i actually the business the business structure of it makes sense to me
1: yeah, the only thing that i found a little frustrating is so they sent me one they believe two weeks ago that I really liked, um, and I tried to contact them to purchase it, to you know try to do like an out of band purchase of more. Yeah, of the same roast. Were they? Out? And it doesn't seem to be possible. But not only does it not seem to be possible, I didn't actually get a response, which was
0: annoying. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. All right, so they got but, different plans. I see.
1: I see. Yeah, so they're they're, they're I think from what I see <coughs> on their site and what I've heard from others, is they're they're pretty serious about it. Just being a subscription. Yeah. And you can't, like, say, I like this month's, but, which seems like a terrible business decision. But.
0: Yeah, it does seem like you want to be able to buy more. But then I guess if they're if they're trying to keep their costs and they buy, you know, as much as their subscribers right. call for, it's kind of a hard line to walk, I guess.
1: Yeah, because I'm on the lowest subscription. So it's, it's you know, it's maybe a couple French presses worth. But It, it seems
0: to me like, though, you totally would eventually they'd send you a bean that you just absolutely loved and you could drink for the rest of your life, potentially. And you'd want but, to just be able to buy that all the time.
1: But the problem is there's no way to do that.
0: Yeah, that I could say that is a little little wonky.
1: I, I mean, if somebody from Tonks is listening or someone knows somebody from Tonks, if I'm wrong, I would love to be wrong.
0: I think you could yeah. also – you they have different prices there. Like you could go for like the, the, the cheaper one. Like the $12 what twelve that's, a month? That's or,
1: where I'm at, yeah. I'm and then,
0: visitors. like, so that's your variety. So that's how you get your guaranteed high-quality variety. And then if you find a staple that you like, you could always buy it from another outlet and still get a little variety on the side for... So,
1: so that's the problem. I haven't been able to find. I think they relabel it or something. Oh. I think it's like one of those things where you can buy expensive wine under a different label, but they won't tell you the original label. Well, I
0: wonder how they're buying it. Like, maybe they're buying it directly from the people I think they're it. buying
1: it from the uh,
0: From the grower roasters. Or are, roasters, yeah. Or, okay,
1: yeah. So it's it's I mean they tell you about the coffee and they all have a story about a small local grower in the box.
0: These guys should, you know, so um one of the best ways to have uh, a company who's a really good fit sponsor uh, a podcast is if the audience reaches out on Twitter or something and says, "Hey, check out this podcast. They'd be a great fit for you because they they talk about development and coffee." Cuz I I think Tonks would be a great fit because yeah, I'd love to try a little But I
1: promise we will not talk about Mercedes or BMWs. (laughs) (laughs) Draw on the line. But let's talk about the Ford Fusion.
0: Uh, (laughs) Uh, Actually, why don't we uh, take a moment right here and talk about Ting? Because Ting is mobile that makes sense. And I got to tell you, Ting just got better. And if you're a Ting subscriber or if you're thinking about switching to Ting... It just got better. They just slashed their data rates. So, what is Ting? Well, think of Ting as a new way to do mobile. They're really coming in. They've looked at the mobile industry and they've said, you know, there is a couple of things that are systemically wrong. These contracts, these early termination fees, and this system where you pay 60, 80, $120 into a plan, and maybe you only get $40 of value out of that actual plan, out of, you know, $40 worth of usage. So, Ting wants to flip all of that on its head. So here's how you get started. Go to coderadio.ting.com. Right there, they have a how much would you save button. Try that out again if you've tried it before. Do me a favor and go over there and try it again because now that they have those new data rates, the savings is even greater than before. It is fantastic. you got to check them out. And by the way... Every single Ting plan includes tethering, hotspot, caller ID, picture and voice messaging, three-way calling, voicemail, all included as part of the plan. There's no extra, like, surprise charges. If you turn on hotspot and tethering and you just use the data, it makes total sense. And, you know, Ting is also just a very, uh, um, I would say, web-savvy, maybe social media-savvy company. They're doing giveaways now on their G Plus and YouTube pages. They've just rolled out an iPhone app to let you manage your Ting account from the iPhone, which is uh, a great way to go. And uh, I think that, you know, if, you, if you've been considering switching and you haven't pulled the trigger yet, now might be that time that little voice in the back of your head should be listened to because it's really gotten a lot better. And by the way... By the way, Ting's also got an early termination relief program. They're going to help you get out of an existing contract if you're stuck in one now. How great is that? And Ting's got a whole new slew of devices coming, new and used. And because you only pay for the usage, there's no contract. The value on this is so great. So when you buy a phone traditionally from a mobile carrier you're paying a subsidized price and the the full price of that phone is paid over the life of your contract and by the time you're at the end of that two-year contract the phone is not worth what you're paying it anymore they kind of make an extra, that's how they make an extra buck off of you. So that changes with Ting. Because you own these devices outright, you can continue to use them. Even once you've switched to another phone, there's no, there's no system that disincentivizes you from keeping your existing phone and using it as a hotspot, giving it to a, a team member or a family member, because every single line at Ting is just a flat $6, and then you just pay for what you use. And they even have feature phones where you can keep it simple. If you go to com, you're going to get that one for $63. Yeah, with no contract and no early termination fee. They've also got MiFi devices with their new data rates even better, including this fancy Netgear Zing that they just did a giveaway on, $139. And you've got a nice uh, MiFi access point with tri-band LTE, which is, uh, which is really phenomenal if you're in an area that has tri-band LTE, an OLED screen on the front, and it uh, supports uh, 802.11n connectivity as well, which is really cool. Uh, especially if you're in a crowded area and uh, you you need every kind of advantage you can get. The Netgear Zing you know, is pretty powerful. You, those,
1: those little MiFi things are amazing.
0: Very handy just to throw in the yeah. bag. And it's great when, you know, with Ting, you're not going to pay into some huge data plan where that thing's just costing you money even when you're not using it. Yeah. You're just going to pay for it when you need to turn it on. And that's yeah, what makes I, a lot um, of sense. Yeah, you
1: know, I always have one in my briefcase. I just throw it in there because, you know what, if you're if you're not paying just to have it, you buy the device, there's no reason not to carry it.
0: Word. So go over to coderadio.ting.com. And a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. I've been, lo- you know, I, I, my HTC One's been staying up to date. My Nexus Five, of course, stays up to date. I'm loving it. But they've also, by the way, they now have support for the iPhone 4 and 4S, and they have that new iPhone app. So
1: you know, I tell you, if, if they got my uh, my iPhone 7 on there, I mean, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. whoa. you're what? I'm sorry,
1: nothing. I said nothing.
0: Yeah, 'cause it sounded like maybe you said iPhone 7, right, but no, the- not nine. <clears throat> no. All right, well, uh, Raging, uh, with an 8, It's is pretty clever, oh, fun. Sent, it in, uh, sent, it, sent in a submission to the Coder Radio subreddit, yes, radio.reddit.com. Yes. He says, A good article on the difference between learning to code and learning computer science. Ah! Yeah,
1: so, so um, this was a great submission to the subreddit for two reasons. A, I want to stop talking about this because it's getting boring and we're talking in circles. It's one of those things where you know, people who have their position have their position and they're not going to change nothing. It's going to be hard to change their mind. And right? also
0: new people coming to the show are, are kind of playing back the back catalog and jumping right. into the conversation after. So we're kind of done.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I I love having this in the subreddit. And I, I think I just want to take this opportunity to close this out right now. Um, this is not going to be a, a black and white thing if they're the same, if they're different, if one's better it ultimately isn't going to matter right, right. everybody's going to have their opinion and you're not going to get every university in the world to agree to have a certain course so yeah it, it's almost one of those debates that's fun to have
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh to a point it's a good intellectual uh yeah. exercise but on a practical perspective no one has the literally no one could change this
0: gosh oh like, it's, it's, and then that's yeah. kind of sad so let's not yeah let's, let's just leave it there, there. yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, but th- we'll have that link to the show notes if you guys want to read that and kind of... Uh, and, you know, the conversation can continue there as well.
1: Absolutely. So,
0: coderadio.reddit.com. Mark wrote in... Actually, we had a couple of people uh, write in, but I just... I picked Mark's here. Uh, he, write in, he wrote in... He wrote it about the topic of American phones. Remember, last week we were kind of bemoaning that the sale of yeah. Motorola Mobility to Lenovo essentially reduces the major uh, uh, hardware players in America to Apple for phones. <clears throat> so, um... Mark writes in Coda Radio 87. Michael said that there were no American phone makers left in the market besides Apple. That may not there may not be a big name on the level of other Android makers, but there's also Blue B L U, which makes Android phones in Florida. Their website is blueproductsbluproducts.com, and they make a good-looking mid-range Android phone. The only drawback is that they do not have LTE. They do support HSPA Plus up to 42 megabits and use slightly slower processors. They were the best choice of lower-end phones until Moto G came along. Also, Lenovo did a great job with IBM ThinkPads, so they should do the same with Moto phones. Great show, Mike or Mark. Uh, So, have you seen these blue products?
1: Yeah, I took a look at them when we got the email. They're, you know, they're very uh, swanky-looking phones. Uh, Yeah,
0: they they almost uh, look a little bit like uh, uh, iPhones. Um, I was actually going to say Windows. Actually, yeah, I was going to like some of them. Well, they have like one of them looks like a Samsung line of phones. You know, it's got the menu button, though. I actually kind of like that. I miss the I menu like button. I like this, actually. Yeah. So uh, the only problem is, is I think, you know, oh, a 13 megapixel camera. These actually do These look... These actually look really good. Yeah, they actually do look pretty good.
1: <laughs> okay, I don't know why this one has six oh Oh, no, 1 gig. I thought it was uh, 16 gigs of RAM. So this
0: one has a 1.5 gigahertz quad core processor and 2 gigabytes of RAM. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's pretty generous. It doesn't say what version of Android... Um, I could do without LTE, although I sure love it. I could do without it if I needed to. The thing is, is wouldn't it be great if we had a major player like a Motorola or you know somebody who's who really had a substantial market share that was an American company? That would be nice.
1: Yeah, I think that's more what I was getting at. You can't walk into Verizon, AT and T, or or really any carrier and uh, buy a phone like this. One thing that's, or an American made phone. One thing that's interesting is I'm just going through their site trying to like see what the cost of a phone is. They don't list them on the pages, which is kind of annoying. Oh, and do I they sell the- them
0: directly, or are they trying to sell them to carriers? Well,
1: they have a buy button, and it doesn't work.
0: Gosh, you know, you know who needs to team up with these guys is Canonical
1: or Ting. I mean, yeah. right? they just throw it. I mean, what is HS? No, they're not, so they don't support. it.
0: Oh yeah, because they're HSDPA. Yeah. Look at this one, though. Look how much this looks like the HTC One with the silver back. And uh, are we looking at the Vivo four four eight? I don't know which one this is. I think it's called no. I think it's called the Life One X. It's got a. It's got a 1080, not a 1920, but a 10. Oh, 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 they just have it backwards. It's a 1920 by 10. So it's a 1080p display, yeah. quad core processor. Oh, here we go. Android 4.2 um, with a 2000 milliamp battery, 5 inch touchscreen, 13 megapixel rear camera, uh, 16 or 32 gigabytes of internal storage. I mean, these actually look extremely competitive. I don't know what the build quality is, but.
1: They look very nice. I mean, I.
0: I don't like the gesture control UI thing they seem to have laid on top of it. Really would be perfect because these could be basically.
1: It would be down. really cool to get our hands on one of these just to kind of see what the deal is.
0: I wonder if they're. Uh, I wonder if they have the Play Store on them. They
1: look like they're a stock Android.
0: Yeah, but then down below they talk about a, a touch a, a touch um, gesture interface. Wow, look at the dash music! It looks exactly like an HTC One with the speaker grill on the front. Yeah, I'm loving it. Huh? So, uh, well, maybe these guys will get bigger. They seem like. Maybe,
1: I- yeah, I mean, these guys look like they. Oh okay you can only buy some of their phones and you can only buy them at bestbuy.com.
0: Oh. Well,
1: so these guys have some channel issues.
0: This is interesting though. This is a total this
1: is Although unlocked their Vivo phone which looks like a, one of their middle of the range Ice cream uh, ICS phones is $200 unlocked.
0: It is not ICS though.
1: Is it? 4.0, yeah.
0: Oh. That's like that's that's the battle days of Android. 4-0, you
1: know, if, oh. if you're buying dev phones, that's not terrible. Oh, because no, you 40. may not have a 4 phone.
0: That's true. Ooh, they got a tablet, too.
1: Where's oh, the tablet?
0: It's called the Life View Tab.
1: Oh, that was a tablet? It's a small tablet. Yeah. Well, good for these you know, guys. I've, I've been looking for a 10-inch Android tablet that doesn't suck, and that's been a challenge.
0: Cyanogen would be a good. Uh, you know, now that Park. signage amount of ink is uh, is a thing, that'd be a good uh link up with them too. Uh all right, well we got another email and this one comes in from Nick and uh he's called me out. So remember last week I had like a stomach flu? Uh well so Nick says first up a message for Chris from the world outside of America. If you're worried about your health, try switching to the type of fruit that doesn't come in a can. Just love you. He's right. I should you know what it was? Is I just wanted something and so I just grabbed it. you know, that canned fruit like cherry cocktail crap that's in the crap sauce. Yeah, that was no good. Right. All right, question for Mr. D. Every coder has a bad day when they just aren't getting through the work as fast as normal or maybe spent a day chasing a bug only to find out it was something subtle but simple that could have been caught in the first two minutes. Without wanting to incriminate you with any of your clients, how do you go about billing for those kind of hours? Do you expect them to be part of every project and let your amazing days balance them out? Or do you feel ever compelled to write one hour in the books for a job that took you two bad day? Two bad day hours. Any thoughts? So like as a mistake that maybe is your own fault or something right. you should have caught a lot quicker. How do you charge for that?
1: Um, I try to stick with scope-based billing so it ends up not mattering. But with hourly billing, if you start getting into the world of not keeping accurate count of time, you're technically – you could be in some legal trouble there.
0: Yeah, I, that's my, – my contracts so, have always been by the hour, so that's – Right. Yeah. So with an hourly
1: contract, the way I've done it is all the time is honest, um, and of course, the client always has the option to fire you.
0: Right. And
1: that's basically the – You know, for me,
0: it's always about – so here's the thing is um, – though, this is a really good question because uh, I've had the opposite problem too um, where – um, maybe I'm the guy at... So when I worked for a contracting firm where I was an employee of the firm and they would send me out to clients, we had about four or five other guys on the team. And I was usually the fastest on the team at like getting in, getting it resolved, and getting out, right? Or building something like, okay, you need a Windows server deployed as a file server and Active Directory controller and DNS, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All right, I'll have that done, and I'm out of there. And whereas the other guys, maybe just, just rough numbers, would have taken them six hours, took me three hours. And so my boss is always like, hey, could you... Could you bill for a little bit more? You know that. So there's always that problem too. But right. what I always found the best way to avoid problems on either side of it was copious notes. And I can't yeah. tell you, I still get I still get emails from past clients who ask what we did back uh, on you know August third, uh, two thousand eleven. And I will just go open up my notes, copy that section, and send it to them. Um, so it's good for billing purposes. And the thing you have to remember, this isn't always the case, but they, the person who hired you, couldn't have done it. Even if it was a simple problem, they couldn't have fixed it. They needed your expertise to track it down and fix it. They required you to be the one to do it. So therefore, they are paying for your time. The value is still there. Even if it was something simple, it would have completely eluded them. They would have been dead in the water. You're not manipulating them. You were just inefficient, but that happens. Um. Speaking of inefficient... Our next email comes from William. And he's writing about Microsoft's new CEO. He says, hi, guys. I've been a longtime listener of Jupiter Broadcasting, and I mostly listen to Coda Radio and Last. and I just want to put my two cents in on Microsoft's new CEO, which, Mr. Dominic, got to say right now, totally called it. Yeah. Totally called it. You totally called it, last week even. Boy, did we have good timing on that or what? Uh, so, yes. I think the appointment of Saatcha Nadella, uh, Nadella, right? I think it's Nadella. Uh, is a good thing he says it 's a show that uh, it shows that m s is focusing on services, which is what they need to do if they want to go ahead against Google and Apple. The future of the enterprise and consumer markets is is in services, and I think m s knows it. Microsoft has spent a lot of time and money changing their image into a devices and services company, and i don 't see that. Changing, uh, and I don't see this as a sign they are leaving the consumer space and going back on their recent rebranding efforts. Thanks, guys, and keep up the awesome work. Oh, all right. So, what do you think, Mr. Dominic?
1: Yeah, so I think, uh, first of all, I called it because to me it made sense that Nadella, and I actually mentioned this months ago, he made sense because the per- people electing the new CEO or selecting the new CEO are the shareholders. Not mm-hmm. the pundits and the shareholders care about profit, and <laughs> which division of Microsoft is extremely profitable?
0: Yeah, 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 you know, broad, uh, right? you're right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that to me it was a no-brainer. I mean, you know, Stephen Elop is kind of a joke, right? Yeah. I mean, anybody, anybody who really, I mean,
0: that'd have been fun for the pundits. Well, unless
1: you thought there was some sort of Game of Thrones style thing going on where he was there to sabotage Nokia.
0: I wouldn't rule that out. <laughs>
1: well, you know, I here's, mean, I don't, so I've I had
0: don't, I had a pretty yeah. I came down pretty hard on this in the last episode. I've had I've had the week to think about it, and um, I, I think I'm falling more down on the side of it's a good thing with a couple of gotchas. Um, so uh, I think, and Paul Thorat, I was I only caught just a snippet of him talking about this on Windows right. Weekly, but Paul Thorat said something that is really true: is that Microsoft is slowly reorganizing itself. The core of Microsoft is going to be services, Azure cloud, right? right. And it, for for Microsoft's life after Windows became a product, it was really centered around Windows. You got a problem, Windows is the solution. Need to build a gaming console, put Windows on it, right? Need to build a phone, put Windows on it. It's Windows, right. Windows, Windows. Now they're beginning that transition. And I think a lot of that was actually driven by Balmer because I'd seen him I'd seen Balmer in speeches Say the future, and even recently, the future of Microsoft is Windows. Um, uh, and I think Satya uh, Nadella is, is going to complete that refocusing around cloud services and make that the center of the Microsoft world. And everything feeds that beast, not the Windows beast. And Windows, you remember years and years and years ago when, um, I don't remember the details, but you remember when Steve Jobs was up on stage and he took... Um, like the uh, the MacBook and like demoted it down to the rest of the all the other devices and said the cloud is right. is now the, the digital the, hub. The hub. Yeah, that's what Microsoft is doing, only without the flashy graphics and and marketing speak. That's just what they're actually doing, right?
1: <laughs> and the, I think the problem is though. I mean, when Jobs did it, he came out, he was confident, and he just did it in one shot. They've been doing it in this weird kind of fumbling, and it almost seems like they were in agreement.
0: This is the problem, and, I, and this is why I came down hard last week. Is I feel like they did need a bit of a meat cleaver to come in. It, it would have been right. good, maybe if, even if they wanted to go with an internal guy, maybe they could have hired an out uh, an outside axe man. This is something companies do a lot, where they'll bring in an efficiency consulting firm. I watched my job, I watched my job get outsourced by uh, the recommendations of an efficiency consulting firm, and they come in and they look at your business and say, all right, well, you need to focus on these things and get rid of this. And the problem is, I've always felt, is if Sache Nadella has been there for 22 years, is he really going to have the nuts to kill projects that have been around during his tenure for maybe 10 years? Is he really going to have the nuts to lay off a thousand middle managers or more? He won't, right? And the problem is, is they really do need to streamline and and kind of, you know, get a little eye of the tiger in them and and be competitive and 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 really move forward because Microsoft as a services company is up against a huge huge industry now. It it's not the same game. They're not dominant in that area. And the problem is this the the platforms like OpenStack and Red Hat and VMware is a big player. All of these companies have not only a head start, but also Have reputations for reliability, have momentum by the industry, and that's what Microsoft's going up against. It's not the same fight anymore. They're not competing at the desktop level anymore. It's a new game, and I think they got to be a little leaner and a little meaner and a little faster to respond. And I just don't know with Bomber on the board and Gates now taking this new technology advisor role, don't confuse yourself. Gates stepping down from the board isn't about reducing its power, his power. It's about changing his power, and I think that's really needs to be see, underscored. See,
1: I, I disagree with that totally. I think the only reason Gates has this advisor role is kind of to keep it calm. Yeah, that, I, I, I grant thing. you that
0: could be. I'm yeah. worried that it's more of a position that gives him meddling potential. Like, for a example, I'm worried, that, I'm worried that I'm worried that he's going to be the, the anchor that keeps on dragging on this. We got to win big in the consumers like this has been like Gates's personal mission. And I think, you know, remember how I've commented recently on how Microsoft seems to have this confusing message where they really want to be a consumer space and almost want to shun their enterprise success. And if they just focused on the right. enterprise, they'd be really well. It's like, why are they? Why What keeps dragging them back to the consumer space? I think it's Gates. I think it's, it's Gates' personal mission as one of the pioneers in the technology industry to make Microsoft a common household company that everybody is using Microsoft products. And I think he, is, he still has the potential in this new position to continue to pull the company that way. And when your god is telling you you need to do this, the rest of that company is going to listen to him.
1: Well, I, see, I, I can't agree. I think there's a lot of reasons – so there's a few things that stand out to me. Just getting to the enterprise v. consumer thing. You know, this BYOD thing, it's so accepted that people don't really talk about it anymore. Right. Except in large enterprises where they've resisted it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in a, if if you believe that BYOD is a real thing, then that enterprise isn't super sustainable other than an enterprise cloud. Um so in your argument it sounds like Microsoft should just focus on Azure, which is great and very successful. Mm, I wouldn't.
0: I wouldn't be that dramatic. You know, like I wouldn't shim it down that much.
1: But. Well, I mean, it doesn't wouldn't you agree that Azure cuts into SQL Server uh, licensing?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: So. I mean, yes, there is a very lean enterprise cloud company inside of Microsoft that yeah. could be broken. Well, out. I
0: see Microsoft as the perfect company to capitalize on this. Some stuff is local, some stuff is in the cloud. They meet at a certain point, and we need one solution that scales from our local server up to cloud right. services. And they're just so perfect to bridge that gap between local and cloud infrastructure. So they don't have to kill their they don't have to kill their enterprise products. You know, to make that thing, I mean, the two can work, the two can complement each other.
1: Well, what I'm suggesting is that Microsoft, the enterprise company, is a much smaller company. Um, and I just don't, I don't think they're willing to do that. And I don't think the board or shareholders would tolerate that. Yeah, I,
0: su- I mean, and, and you can also see how Bing and, other th- and Xbox even can kind of play into their cloud, their overall cloud infrastructure strategy, right? Right.
1: I mean, uh, the new CEO, uh, Nadella, is saying that he he messaged that they're refocusing as a software company, which to me is very interesting because...
0: If if that was true, then they should be releasing Office for Android and iOS.
1: But not only that, right now, the world for, quote, software companies, uh, putting away the software consulting thing right now, is very hard. I mean, prices have been you know, forced down by the market. How
0: long until Windows is just straight-up free?
1: I don't think it's going to take very long at all. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, but I can't see an organization as big as Microsoft surviving as a pure software company in this day and age.
0: Well, they've got these reoccurring revenue models with, with all of their services, even down to Office 365 that they can sell to enterprises. I mean, that could be profitable. And, you know, it seems like if anybody was positioned to do it, it would be them. <sighs> I mean, See, I mean, if you think it about is. it, their start was on making Office for the Mac, right? Right, for they that.
1: started as a software company yeah. for, for other platforms. I mean, they've always from... been a
0: software company, and then they just happened to get their own successful platform to deliver it on. Well, the...
1: <coughs> Angry dogs.
0: <coughs> See, they agree. They agree with me. I agree, doggies. I agree. Um, so, I, I think, I, 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 I don't believe them when they say that.
1: The problem is at the time you could sell a piece of software for, you know, several hundred dollars. Right. And those were in late 70s, early 80 dollars. Um, (laughs) Yeah, they're they're just gonna keep going. All right. There's well, some-
0: why don't we take a break right yeah. here? I'll mute you so they can they can bark cool. it out, and I'll I'll thank uh, DigitalOcean. Now, uh, you guys know that DigitalOcean has been a sponsor now for the Coda Radio program for a little bit. We got a brand new promo code you can take advantage of. It's Coda Radio February. So, what is DigitalOcean, and why have I been so freaking happy with my DigitalOcean account? I'll tell you, my friends, DigitalOcean is simple cloud hosting dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up your own cloud server, one that you have full control over. Users can create a cloud server in 55 seconds. I actually was bested recently. My best record is 47 seconds. And pricing plans start only $5 per month, and that gets you 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, a CPU... And a terabyte of transfer, which is awesome. These are fixed costs, so you know exactly what your run cost is going to be. DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, and Amsterdam. The interface is very simple. Their control panel is super intuitive. And power users can replicate it on a larger scale with their straightforward API. DigitalOcean also has a vast collection of tutorials in their community section, but it gets better. You can submit an article to the community, and if it gets published, you'll get $50. So here's how you get started. Go over to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code CODERADIOFEBRUARY. That'll give you a $10 credit. You can get that $5 rig for two months. I've been using mine for months and months and months now, uh, and so here's a couple of things that I have, I've been having um, a lot of success with. I've put uh, BitTorrent Sync to distribute uh, additional like supporter files for the unfilter show on my DigitalOcean droplet, and I just recently loaded up a Yassi search engine. On it, and it is so cool to build my own search engine and what's really awesome is DigitalOcean's pricing plans are really straightforward and upfront there's no surprises, no gotchas right you know we've all seen uh, some of the other spin up as you need them cloud hosting services where all of a sudden uh, boom, you got a big surprise in your cost because your CPU ran long or there was an ad- there was some additional hits that hit your server that you didn't know about, and all of a sudden you just have to pay for it that's not going to happen on top of that. DigitalOcean has hourly pricing. So if you need to throw something up there to try it out for a little bit, if you're doing some development work and you just need to run it for a few hours to just do some debugging, throw it up on a DigitalOcean droplet. What's so cool is their droplet system. You can create a template system. Maybe it's like an Ubuntu uh, 1204 rig with Docker on it. You snapshot that so it's set up all the way you want. And then the next time you want to go fire up a rig for a couple of hours, you just restore that snapshot so you save yourself a bunch of time. You try it out and you shut it down and you save the snapshot for later. So go over to DigitalOcean.com, use the promo code Radio February. see what I've been talking about. And yeah, by the way, those SSDs do make a difference. And there's, uh, rumor has it, rumor has it there could be a little bit of an announcement coming from DigitalOcean later this week. So go check them out. Check out their community section. They got lots of great tutorials on getting things set up over there. Node.js, MySQL, Apache, PHP, MongoDB even the basics of linux, ruby on rails, nginx, all great things, articles and tutorials they've got a blog section where you can keep up to date on like here's a great here's a great post right here. Image transfer update. You can now uh, transfer images between regions. That's awesome. Wow. Look at that. You can take a snapshot and then you can distribute it to a different region. That is really cool. So you know, that is so awesome because I uh, So, for example, I put my, uh, my my server on the East Coast because I have, a, I have a node here on the West Coast, too. And so it would be awesome now if I could move that to another spot later on when I need to. And it looks like they're rolling that out. Tons of great stuff over at DigitalOcean. So go over to DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERRADIOFEBRUARY. That lets them know you heard about it right here on the Coder Radio program, and you appreciate them supporting the Coder Radio show, uh, which, of course, keeps us on the air. So a big thank you to DigitalOcean and a big thank you to everybody who uses the promo code Coder Radio February. All right, Mr. Dominic, did you get those dogs under control over there? Did you locked down the dogs.
1: Yes, I did. Uh the, the the doggers were upset that a bus pulled onto the street.
0: Ah, that's understandable. Oh, look at that uh uh looks like uh they do have an IRC channel too. Look at that digital ocean. They yeah, they got a they digital got uh Pound Digital Ocean on a free node. So that's pretty easy to remember. Pretty easy. Pretty nice. So, uh <clears throat> did you have any wrap-up thoughts on the on the CEO?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been listening to a lot of pundits, reading a lot of posts about this. I don't. What what do people want him to do?
0: I I think people want to meet Cleaver. I really do.
1: Well, he can't do that, no, right? No, I don't the think right so. thing to do would have had make Balmer do it.
0: Oh. But I'm sure
1: Balmer. You can't have the new guy come in and take a katana, especially not to people he's worked with and for for 20 years. It'd be bad for morale, bad for the stock
0: market. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: So obviously they're not dropping consumer. Um, It's my firm belief that you cannot not be vertically integrated in terms of OS software anymore. So if you are going to be a vendor of an operating system, in the consumer space at least, you need vertical integration with the hardware. So if your next thing Mm. is let's axe the surface, well then why don't you just, Take a different business model with Windows altogether. I mean, sure, you'll make a ton of money in the enterprise for now on the current model. Um, and I would say keep doing that, but that can't be your end game. You're not going to be able to get the licensing fees forever.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree I with mean, you there.
1: E- even among my clients, the uh, the older companies are all Microsoft shops, at least on the you know, biz dev side, but the younger ones are almost all Google Docs.
0: Right, right.
1: Because it's- it's, it, Because for a while it was free. And if you were grandfathered in, you were grandfathered in. And yeah,
0: uh, right. it, yeah, that is very true. Um, and so I I just don't think that doesn't – so just because you make a product, though, doesn't mean people are going to buy it and use it.
1: Well, I think the problem is Microsoft reacted to the iPad four years after the iPad.
0: Are they just copying Apple? Is that what it is?
1: They're not, though. That's the problem. They're, they're copying the product, but I mean Apple has this attitude of we just don't care, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you know, no other company would make a defective radio, radio cell and have, and go on stage and say, listen, you're holding it wrong. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, what's your problem, jerk? The problem with Apple is that you need, you need the balls to be Apple and Apple almost went out of business. I mean, and you know, looking at the market share numbers, they're not doing well compared to Android. If that's your metric in terms of profit. Yes. But
0: right. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're doing fine.
1: Um, e- You know, I think what's really happening is we're we're getting back to a place where, you know, even though computers are cheaper than they've ever been, given the economy, computers for the consumer are actually fairly expensive. Right. Or a computer that you would want is fairly expensive.
0: Right. 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 Yep.
1: I mean, a sub fifteen hundred dollar laptop that doesn't suck is basically a Macintosh. I mean, you cannot show me a trackpad, and I've looked on Windows machines that doesn't blow. (laughs) And that's and I'm not I'm not like making fun i i'm just saying you know the thing with the mac is that the software is a sunk cost for the hardware mm-hmm. on windows everybody's trying to get their little piece of the pie and it, even when the machines aren't cheap they feel cheap
0: that's why i think uh that's why it's all about cloud services and 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 reoccurring services i think the, that's, the, that's the kind of licensing too. changes licensing is no longer buying software and then having a license yeah. licensing is now like leasing it you know well that
1: i mean that's a that is a very big shift for microsoft i mean you know they they've certainly come a long way in web standards but i i guess i don't trust them not to be tempted to make ie the preferred browser right but like i i don't it's hard i mean actually if microsoft were going bankrupt this would be an easier process because then he could come in with a carte blanche and say listen right, yeah. we're going our doors are going to close in a year anyway so why don't i just fight the good fight yeah but now it's like anything you do that might cannibalize their two big businesses and and this is the thing people talk about azure people talk about xbox people talk about the surface that the rent is paid by Office.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sure is.
1: And, and Windows, but 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 Office by a good margin. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, people they're 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 actually not the Windows company. I mean, sure that would be a successful business, but yeah, no, they're not. Yeah, and if it, you did a pie chart, it's MS Office.
0: And where's all those sales going to? Business. From it's all right. going to business. I mean, I'm sure some of it goes to. I'm sure. I'm sure millions that I'd love to have myself go to just straight to consumers even selling box copies or Amazon editions or whatever. But the bulk of it is those, uh, you know, E-open licensed um, business editions.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's great. But to me, and, and this is something I've struggled with, you know, you know I mean, a software company sure it's more of a consulting company, so it's a little different, but it is really hard to make a profit off of licensing software. mm it's, it's near impossible. Um, so does is everything a web app with the subscription?
0: Yeah. Or I mean, uh, well, that, they're that. they're doing it even with physical downloads. Like you can download the you can download. Yeah, you I tried that. That Office. is super awkward. Yeah, it really is clunky, isn't it? That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's I, always. I, have you tried? A, have you, tr- have you tr- ever tried Creative Cloud?
1: I have Creative Cloud. That's also strange.
0: Yeah, I did it. I tried it, too, to see if I could get it with Steam Streaming. And it's like you download this installer, and it's like super hard to find where you even download yeah. it once you've signed up for Creative Cloud. And Office is kind of getting like this, too. And Microsoft at least has some compelling deployment technologies behind it. But um,
1: I, And I, I even think Creative Cloud is just because the, the weights that are being lifted in terms of graphical performance by Adobe can't be done in the browser well, right, for Photoshop, things like that. Um, for the high end people, obviously, people like me who are just resizing logos don't need it. Um, I, I, I I don't know. I mean, it, for him to
0: <coughs> careful, sir. Careful.
1: I'm dying. Don't don't I, don't
0: don't inhale the coffee. Just
1: uh, no. Steve Ballmer is actually force choking me. <laughs> me right.
0: <now>. Force choking.
1: <sighs> uh, he's like you. You will pay for your lack of vision. Uh, Licensing is the future. I, I, well, I don't. I re, really. They don't think it's the future. No, it's just hard no. to cannibalize your own business it, when,
0: when you're making money. And I. This is why I. Okay. So what? The, what you are struggling with right here is why I think they needed an outside perspective.
1: But you need the board to support it and the shareholders. And if you're a shareholder, do you support something? Oh, here's right. the other. Yeah. Thing. Oh yeah. We,
0: true.
1: True. How about Value Act is now on the board? The corporate rating people. I know we we've never talked about this. No.
0: What is this? They, Tell me about
1: this. They bought their way onto the Microsoft board by. Threatening a hostile takeover by buying a bunch of shares, and what do they do? They're like a Carl Icahn type company, right?
0: Oh, so they... Oh, okay,
1: yeah. They so they get a bunch of shares and they try to force the company to do things that are dangerous long term, but provide short term profits. Right. So, like every public share investor, really. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you're critical of Gates and Ballmer being there still. I think they're the only things protecting this company because <clears> they have an emotional attachment that goes beyond you know quarterly earnings.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. You know, I, I mean,
1: look at, look at what Carl Icahn wanted to do to Dell. Right. And, and, look,
0: you, at what, and look how to, like, horrible that and how long that got stretched out. I mean,
1: look what Carl Icahn did to TWA. We're, we could just go back and back into the so, 80s. I guess,
0: I guess it's like it's the best choice they could have made.
1: Uh, well, I mean, in my dream world, all these companies realize that the whole public market thing is very, very dangerous if you're trying to take a risk. And go private, like Dell did. But Dell's it hurt to go private, right? Yeah. And as a... I mean, I just... I can already read the headlines in the paper. Microsoft shutters 50% of workforce to go enterprise only. That's going to tank the share price. I mean, that's that's why all these people saying just be an enterprise company. Well, the investors aren't going to sit down for uh, that.
0: I, I I feel like... And we should probably... It's probably getting...
1: Yeah, we should probably wrap this up. But I
0: feel like that's where they're already making all their money from anyways. So it's right. not, like, but but that, the
1: problem is they have to worry about that quarterly report and dealing with a revolt in the boardroom.
0: I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe if you cut some of the online services and things like that, you'd actually end up not losing money.
1: I'll mean, I, I just, just add one more thing, and then we can drop it. Okay. I, and just, you know, yes or no. My impression was that uh, Nadella does not have a free hand to act alone, and he's not dictator for life at Microsoft.
0: My impression, too, yeah.
1: Right. To me, he's the agent of the board. So, this is still going to be this, as it always has been, this very strange design by committee thing.
0: Which, and with conflicting um, right. uh, priorities.
1: Yeah. And, and now, with this new troublemaker on the board, it, they're going to be circling the wagons just to stop him from doing anything.
0: Give me an interesting couple of years. Yep. You know what I mean? It's going to be one of those things where uh, we'll look back and, and go, God, it changed everything, or wow, nothing changed.
1: If right. nothing changes, we're going to look back and it's going to be a much smaller company. Yeah, but let's move along.
0: All right. Well, maybe we can help out, Nick. Uh, this should be a <clears throat> this should be an easy one. He says uh, he's fourteen, and the next few weeks he's going to be picking the subjects for what's called uh, in England the GCSEs. I also program as a hobby in my spare time. So naturally I wanted to take some computing as one of my courses. That's like what they call it. But it turns out that during the course we learned three languages: JavaScript, Visual Basic, and Pascal. I'm still going to pick the course, but what do you make of the languages they have picked? Are there any reasons that you could think Pascal is a good choice? Big fan, Nick. Well, so sometimes it can just be because that's what the instructor likes. (laughs) You know, like here, like, well, that's what the instructor knows. And he feels like he can teach you some uh, fundamentals with Pascal. So that's what he's going to do. When I was in school, I was a little bit older than Nick, I think at the time. We were learning, uh, I think it was Q Basic. Remember QBasic?
1: Did, did you ever do that? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that was my stuff, QBasic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That,
0: that's what I was learning back in, when I was in high school. And uh, let me tell you, <laughs> it has not really been all that beneficial to my, uh, um, to my career later on because it all just changes so dang fast.
1: No, I can't say that QBasic is generally helpful.
0: No, no. It was fun. Yeah. No. Um,
1: I can't say that it was funny there.
0: No. Okay. It wasn't fun either. Although I was so proud of myself when I got colors up on the screen that,
1: uh, uh I remember I, I had such a hard time printing text into patterns on QBasic. <laughs> I hated QBasic. It was like, it was such a pain in the ass. Like, oh
0: yeah. I remember you could do the graphing with QBasic. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah remember yeah. that? Oh yeah.
1: I do remember now. The stupid. You got to make like a ghetto spreadsheet. Mm
0: hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's like the worst thing ever.
0: Um, I, I never, I, I, I kind of fall down on, uh, I don't ever feel like spending time learning something is wasted time. Because you can usually apply things you learn from that to whatever your next interest is, too.
1: Yeah. Well, QBase, basically made me love object-oriented
0: programming. Blink dot, blink dot bass. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, good old Oh, days. that's
1: right. Things are randomly in caps. I forgot about yes, that.
0: Yes, they <laughs> are randomly in caps. Yes.
1: And it matters if it's not in caps. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, let's just bring him back some uh, memories yeah.
0: here. so nick uh don't worry about it too much especially since you're already off doing your own thing i would worry about the kids your age who are not programming in their own spare time in a language they like and i think you'll find that even with something like pascal um there could be a few lessons you can apply if you're if you're willing to seek them out
1: well i mean i mean we've been making fun of q basic but yeah um you know the the whole if else thing all languages have certain features yeah the the one issue I had going from QBasic to something more object-oriented was, whoa, object-oriented is really, really different.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and there was this temptation, at least for a year with me, to write everything procedurally.
0: Oh, the good old Ugh. days, the good old Those days. F-
1: no. And there was only one color blue, obnoxious navy, for the terminal.
0: Well, so Nick, let us know how it goes, sir. It yep. is... It is uh, it is not as bad as it sounds. All right, now this next one is our this is our last email of the day, and uh, uh, then we got a little hoopla. Um, and you know, for those of you listening live, uh, ten thirty after Coda Radio uh, BSD Now is going to be starting. They're doing it on Monday today, so people that are watching live <gasps> get get double get double the entertainment. Oh no! What time do they start? Uh, after ten thirty. So when we wrap, so we got We got uh, forty minutes. We got some time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, we'll probably be done before they start, but uh, we can do a little post show and. Keep the, keep the room warm until uh, they get here. So Anani Moose writes in, says, Hello, I work at Insert Major International Tech Company here on a product with quarterly release cycles. Okay, what could that be? A major international tech company with a product with quarterly release cycles. He says, 50 we, bucks
1: says Booz Allen.
0: <laughs> and the quarterly release is uh, what? <laughs> Snowden's. Uh, we use Agile three, with uh, three-week sprints with uh, hardening before each release. There 100
1: bucks says Booz Allen
0: that <laughs> there's recently been an ex- executive order that due to some cloud deployment and industry movement... $5,000 <laughs> <exactly>. to <laughs> He says, now get this, uh, products should move towards weekly releases. So dudes going from quarterly releases to weekly releases. Which, oh, that's going to go great. Which is going go to require an overhaul of pretty much everything, how we do everything. Is there any way we could go down with this without it being a master master cluster F? Sorry, this a well, huge, huge Trish, change.
1: I think we can make phone calls with more confidence in a couple weeks.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, or, or
1: we'll, again, not be able to purchase health insurance. Um, no, that's going to suck, dude. Hello, uh, everybody. Yeah.
0: Here's what I was thinking. If this would work, I don't know. I don't know what Anani Moose's uh, timeline is. But if he has a little bit of time maybe they could start on something else they work on that's smaller and transition and experience all of the pain with the smaller scope, get everything worked out, and then apply but lessons dude, learned dude, there.
1: They got an executive order. <laughs> yeah. They can't do that. They're like,
0: you, think, you think that's a Barry order, or do you think that just means, like, the CEO?
1: Okay, person writing in, if you wrote executive order and did not mean Barry... We're thinking, so,
0: yeah, I mean... Yeah,
1: I mean, they're, they're, they're no, no company uses executive order. He's a jackass.
0: Thank you, Barry. So, I, I if you can, Anani Moose, that would be. Otherwise, yeah, this is going to be one of those really rough transitions where you're going to need to maybe uh, uh, take Pride. up the practice of mindfulness and get yourself a meditation pillow <laughs> because you're going to need to calm down.
1: I would actually put down the coffee, pick <laughs> up the chai tea.
0: Yeah, yeah, switch to tea for a little while and get yeah, some.
1: Yeah, this sp- is gonna. This is gonna suck. And
0: get some sleep. Seriously, that'll really help. I mean,
1: you. we moved um, from from what were roughly three to four week cycles and, uh, to two week cycles. And that was a
0: bloodbath Quarterly, He's going from quarterly, quarterly releases
1: to weekly, to, to weekly, going to be amazingly awful.
0: You know, the Docker project, uh, just announced a uh, version 0.8 and, uh, they said they're going to go to monthly and, um, it's not feature based. They're not going to do it feature based. It's going to be just a monthly cadence and they're, they're going to try to make sure that everything's production ready before it goes to the master branch. Um, and you know, did you see also the other thing Docker just did is they added support to spin up a Docker instance on Mac OS X?
1: Good, good.
0: Yeah, and so I think that means it, you need a couple extra components to install because there's like a little Linux VM, like a like a tiny little VM that runs. Uh, Linux. Well, I mean, that's the point of Docker. <laughs> but the idea is like now you could potentially run like a Docker instance on your Mac, build it all up, and then move it right and up to that a that Linux that server, and Bob's your uncle it just runs.
1: And I think Alan Shute is like, why aren't you just using BSD?
0: Well, probably. Yeah, probably true. Yeah. Uh, why don't we take a moment right here and thank our last sponsor for this week's show. And it's been a long time sponsor. You guys know him. You guys love him. It's GoDaddy.com. Go over to GoDaddy.com because guess what? We got a new .com deal for you. Two ninety five $2.95 coder will get you a .com for $2.90. Five cents. So uh, because of that, I bought a couple of domains last night with the coder 290. It's so great. So it's, you can get um, your first domain for like $2.95. Additional domains after that are like super cheap. They're still discounted, like 9 bucks or something like that. I went through and did, I did a whole bunch of shopping. It feels good. Like When you think of a really good domain and nobody else has grabbed it yet, you're like, oh my god, I just got an awesome .com. That was totally me last night. So go over to GoDaddy. They're the world's number one domain name registrar for a reason, and they've been just making things better and better over there all the time. They've got a new express checkout system you can take advantage of. they got a great new streamlined purchasing process. they got some really funny videos from the Super Bowl. You can still catch those on their website as well, including that story about Gwen who quit her job during the Super Bowl. You can find out more about that. Go over to GoDaddy.com and use that promo code 295Coder to get yourself a .com for $2.95. We get these just for limited times, for little windows of time, and you guys can take advantage of it right now. So go over there and get that done. And you know, when the .com is $2.95, I've been recommending buy it now. And even if you don't have an immediate use for it, forward it to another web property, forward it to your crazy Google Plus URL, forward it to whatever. GoDaddy has a very straightforward admin panel. And in there, it's click, click, put in the address you want that .com to forward to, say if you want it temporary or permanent, if you want it masked or not masked, and then hit submit. And now that .com, you don't have to change any DNS settings. You don't have to have any hosting setup. You just can point that .com to any URL you want. It's like way better than a standard web shortener because it's your .com. And you can also change it. So, one of the things I've done in the past with my, uh, with my uh, forwarding is if you go to jblive.fm and jblive.am, those forward you to the 128-kilobit MP3 stream and the 64-bit kilobit stream, respectively. And one day, our, our audio stream was down. So I just logged into my GoDaddy, GoDaddy control panel, set the forwarder to a temporary stream server, and I didn't have to have the users go to anything else. All of the apps that we had coded that have jblive.fm and am automatically redirected to the new source. We didn't have to push out new versions of our applications to the Android Play Store. It just all works on the back end. And when the stream came back up, I logged back into my GoDaddy control panel and forwarded it back to the original source. And with $2.95, you can always find something to do with that .com. So go over to GoDaddy.com and use the promo code, code uh, 295Coder, 295Coder, when you check out to get a .com for $2.95. And a big thank you to GoDaddy for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. So we have a couple of hoopla things. You want to do one of them or two of them kind of quick? Like there's, there's like two really good ones we could talk about this week. We could do both if you want. What do you think, Mr. Dominic? You feel like talking about paper? Or maybe Flappy Bird? Um, I don't know if... Uh, I'm not totally up on up on all the paper stuff. I know that there was an existing iOS app named Paper. And it was like a pretty well-known drawing application. And I guess there's another app named Paper... I'm not totally up to date on what the story is there. But uh, then Facebook comes out, and they release their paper app. And it's like Flipboard yep. for Facebook, essentially. And they, I guess they knew the name existed, um, but they chose to use paper anyways. So do I kind of have this right so far?
1: You do. So he, so this is kind of like a pond, right? Facebook's obviously the great white shark. <laughs> paper is like a, I don't know, like a tilapia yeah. chilling around. Yeah. And, yeah. and that a third paper, the little company, was like a guppy. So, Facebook is basically throwing its weight around, and now, you know, Paper by 53 is complaining. Problem is, Paper did the same thing to the other small company. So, it, like in every legal case, it's whoever is willing and has more money to spend
0: is winning. So, Facebook in this case. Right.
1: The larger issue that I think is more important is if you name your product a uh, standard English word like Windows, like Windows, or, but, Okay, but you don't have billions of dollars to get <laughs> right, yeah. that with? You mean, yeah, yeah, I know what you, you mean. You're, you're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, and it, or, or maybe you don't care because there are so many little software projects, so many trademarks on things that were never released. Naming stuff is hard now. And frankly, even if you get the trademark, you could lose it. Someone – you know it's this is a reality of the business you have to get trademarks and if there's a dispute you can either do a, what's called a coexistence agreement where somebody pays somebody
0: uh,
1: or somebody pays nobody and you both just agree to leave each other alone
0: i believe apple and cisco have something like that for the iphone trademark
1: right well even marco armani had that with somebody ferns to paper oh i did not so it, this is so common that a company with venture funding and the money that paper has to not know how to do this is is ridiculous like it, it's it's so stupid and then to play all this who me crap when they did the same thing to a small company
0: what about just good human like co- you know uh you know uh, concern for your common developer where you know it sounds like facebook knew all along this paper app existed
1: so there's that yeah i mean nobody comes out looking clean here no uh the thing i'm trying to counter is the narrative that paper by 53 are the good guys so let me tell you what paper did in response to this by facebook they filed the trademark the day paper by Facebook was launched. Oh. Which makes it a very I again, I'm not a lawyer, but according to some legal opinions I've read from like, you know, folks online who are our lawyers, um, that is not the strongest trademark you could file. Um two reasons. It's an English word and you filed it after your competitor had launched, which is kind of not you know, and, and I understand filing a trademark costs money. Defending it costs money. Like for a small company, it's probably not worth it all the time. But you know, this one of the things is we get all these emails, Chris, from folks who want to go indie, and but they want to avoid all the legal crap and the business crap.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately, that's the reality. If you're even an indie consultant, someone someday is going to sue you, or someone someday is going to try and use your name or your product name or something. Right. You're going to be dealing with being basically a business person, right? And there's going to come a day where someone's going to sue you. You're going to be in the right, but you're going to pay them anyway.
0: Ooh, that makes me Because it is
1: cheaper to pay them to go away than to fight the lawsuit. And unfortunately, the longer you're in business and the more exposure your business gets, the more this is going to happen.
0: What a crappy system. I agree with uh, Lamp in the chat room. It's a real crappy system.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is one of those things where I'm saying if this is a problem for you, this whole paper thing, Write your congressman, you, want, you basically want trademark and tort reform. Now, Mike, you want to hear a radical suggestion? Maybe not. Chris does not want oh, to it. Oh, no, hear I, I was just waiting for you to say it. Let's not have trademarks on generic English words, period.
0: Well, I was thinking, you know what I was thinking of is uh, you have code and journal. in uh, Right. I mean, those are pretty generic. Code and journal are pretty, now together, they're not so common. I'll grant you that, but it seems like you could be, you know, wouldn't, it's not that far of a stretch of the imagination to find yourself in this position. What is it,
1: it? It is a little harder for that to happen to me because yeah. it's, it's a, a name of a product. That's a composite of two words. Right. I know. So I know, now know. if the product's name was code, yeah, I'd have a problem.
0: Yeah. Like code yeah. log. What about that? Or, or, uh, you know, code keeper. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I mean, the closer to a common word you get, the the more problems you have. I mean, and this is an area that gets weird because then there's such a thing as copyright protection versus trademark protection and it's, I'm not suggesting the system's good, I'm just suggesting that if you're leaving your employer to be an indie developer, these are the kind of things you have to worry about.
0: Yeah. I The other thing too is like, I just, uh, paper doesn't even seem like a good name for Facebook. Like It doesn't even seem like it's, I mean, I don't think of, I, you know what I mean? Like,
1: it's an interesting naming choice. I, I think they were going for like a newspaper, mm. but yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Zane in the chat room has a good point. This is why a lot of startups are not naming themselves English words spelled incorrectly because that's a much easier trademark to defend.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's easier to get the domain and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about. Uh, speaking of crazy names, let's talk about Flappy Bird. Just th- uh, this whole thing kind of felt like it's just blown up since our last show. Like, yeah. out of nowhere, Flappy Bird becomes a thing. And it sounds like the guy might have goosed his ratings early on, and then that kicked off, like, this whole discovery, and then it just built on top of that.
1: Yeah, so there's some some suggestion that he paid one of these services to yeah. boost his rating, which...
0: Like, late I've last never, year.
1: Which I've never done, but it's extremely
0: common. Yeah, and then that kind oh. of broke him into, like, a threshold of a certain amount of day, which then made him show up on some charts, and then it just kind of yeah. snowballed from there. Uh, And people probably are familiar with Flappy Bird at this point. It's like this impossible to beat game. I haven't
1: played it to be honest with you. I haven't
0: either because it looks just like it looks like a bad time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it looks really crappy to me.
0: Yeah, it looks like I'm gonna really hate myself if I if I. To me,
1: this entire story is less about the game and more about wow if you make the top of the charts, you can have a pretty crappy thing and do well.
0: Well, let me ask you this. So uh, do you think uh, do you think this is going to kick off a whole new generation of tap-type games that just, you know, are total crap games that people are going to charge? I
1: th- I th- yeah, I think him pulling it, I mean, I'm sure there is someone right now trying to find a dev to clone
0: it. Well, in the Play Store, there's tons of clones. Tons yeah. and tons and tons of clones in the Play Store.
1: Um, yeah, because the problem is... You know this game isn't doesn't look terribly hard to develop, right? I mean, you, you could do no. He said he did it in a day. Co- yeah. He said he
0: did it in a day. So my question, though, to you is, what do you think about this whole he's pulled it thing because of the response? Is this a marketing gimmick? So he's pulled it out of the app stores. Now he take it. He took it down from iOS and Android, right. and uh, said he just couldn't take all of the hate, even though the game was generating fifty thousand a day in ad revenue.
1: Yeah, I would take the hate. Um,
0: fifty thousand a day in ad revenue you believe that 50,000 what that's according to a report on the verge which is blowing my mind right now for a crappy game it took him a day a crappy game that took him a day dude
1: that's a lot of money i i
0: 47, reviews in the app store been downloaded um, 50 million times
1: i it it's it's a weird situation
0: The other story here that I think is interesting is, um, you know how there's been this meta discussion about uh, games that prompt you to rate them, and it's really annoying and interrupts you?
1: Yeah. Did you see what EA did, which is amazing? No. So on their new Dungeon Keeper game, they put up the rating dialogue. How would you rate this game? One to four stars? Five stars? If you tap one to four, it just brings you to, like, nothing? like a little in-app feedback thing. If it, you tap five, it pushes you back to the app store.
0: Funny. Well, so what this guy did, and I think this is part of his success, is on the start screen, you've got start, score, and rate. So he's not he's not um, obnoxious about the rating. It's just a little button on, on the first screen. And I think it might even suggest like some crazy stuff that you put in there. I don't know. Like, like some, you know, this game is horrible. I hate it so much, five stars. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm oh, just fascinated I- by something that... You know, even if it was manipulated a little bit at, be- at the beginning, like it, it catches fire like this. The guy makes a ton of money. And then to see somebody pull it, this whole thing is really it's been fascinating to watch. And it's only really possible with this app store economy that we have now, this app store marketplace, where something can just blow up like this all over the world and we can all link to it and we all download it. And then it can uh, it can just be pulled immediately. So, like, if you didn't get Flappy Bird, you're not getting Flabby Bird. And there's nothing you could do about it because these new yeah, app stores, it's-, it's just it's gone.
1: I have a feeling that he pulled it. I mean, I, I kind of feel bad for the guy, to be honest.
0: Uh, I think it's a marketing ploy.
1: I don't. I, I I could see a lot of people being super nasty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I've especially, seen some of the tweets. It, yeah. yeah.
1: Especially since it came out that he gamed the system in the beginning, which is something that all large companies in the app space do. Certainly do. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, large companies, you know, even if you work for them, well, someone in marketing did that. It's not my fault.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's a
1: personal dude. It's, you know, eh, having said that, I don't know. I mean, to me, the story here is that it's a non story, right? It just proves that gaming the app store still works as long as your app is free. Yeah. Wonderful.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, that's what I was, that's kind of what I wanted to get the bottom of is, is now neither one of us have played, so maybe we're not in a good position to talk about this, but it seems like at a certain point you don't reach that volume. I mean, maybe that initial goosing, but then it seems to have legitimately had an actual viral spreading. Like, <laughs> So the must, issue,
1: yeah, the issue has always been once you hit one of the uh, top charts, you're golden no matter what. That's why getting featured by Apple is always so something that is really helpful because I it guess, puts you on that front page.
0: Yeah, I guess that's, I guess that you think that's all it took is just you got there and then one thing led to another. But would people really be sharing and rating as much? I mean, you saw 47,000 reviews or something like that. I mean, would they be compelled to give it that many re- ratings and reviews if they didn't? enjoy it in some way?
1: I'm not suggesting that nobody enjoyed it. I'm suggesting that if he didn't goose it, he wouldn't have done well. Yeah. I mean,
0: you're... Yeah, I see what you're saying there. You're right.
1: I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people try to say apps are bad, apps are good. To be honest, most apps are bad in some ways and good in others because (laughs) they have limited budgets, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, A lot of apps that are super highly designed, for instance, are a lot slower than they ought to be because that design takes resources. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of apps that look like dog shit tend to run really fast and really efficiently. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: So, I I think the biggest thing to take away from this is not surprising: people are still dicks on the internet. So, if you do anything publicly, you're going to get nasty feedback. And um, still proves that Apple's you know Apple made an attempt to stop this kind of gaming, and it didn't work.
0: Hey, couldn't they have done more in in both the paper case and in this like?
1: Seems like so. Apple probably shouldn't do more in the paper case, right?
0: I don't know. I mean, couldn't wouldn't all wouldn't the fix just be you? The you, first come, first serve. You get in there, you register your name, and once you register that name, nobody else can register the same name.
1: So you can do an app where on your iPhone it shows up as, let's say, we call the app Dog is what it looks like on your iPhone. But I could actually call that for the app Store Dog by Fingertip Tech. Okay. So what happens is the display name and the actual name Oh, oh so
0: th- there is actually a, a rule right. like that, I see. And th- but you can just get around you it. You can just change it. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, uh, all right, very good. Yeah, so uh, uh, Peacemaker in the Chairroom says that game was totally viral. My Facebook feed was filled with screenshots. You know, I did see a lot of screenshots on Google+, Plus too. A lot of people talking about it. That's actually how I heard about it first was on Google+. And then- yeah, I mean,
1: this, this guy, you know, he certainly deserves the success more than... Candy Crush does right. I mean, what he
0: did is speaking of trademarking common names.
1: Yeah, Candy and Saga. I yeah, mean, come on. Yeah, how, why
0: did they skip Crush? No kidding, right?
1: So maybe because it's a oh, it's not a verb in
0: that. Case. Righteous dude.
1: Righteous. I mean, you, you, you have a, a trademark on all of Jupiter, right?
0: <clears throat> of course. Yeah, like I'm so, suing the planet right now as we speak. Right,
1: so like 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 Bandai. Every time they play like a Sailor Moon episode, has to pay you, right? That's, <laughs> that's how this works.
0: Yeah, I'm also going to get an old jazz artist too and uh, trying to sue their families. Because there's lots of jazz songs that have Jupiter in the title, so I'm really, I'm, it's a, it's a it's a large enterprise. Actually, that's how I finance the production of all these shows.
1: Oh, it's kind of like Windows Phone, right? It's financed off the patents from Android. I mean, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> it makes, it makes a lot of sense. It's a great business.
0: Yeah, that's how I do it. It, makes, yeah, it's, it works. Oh, and
1: and I've of course received another letter from my friendly patent trolls. Oh, really? Yes. They're wonderful people.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm getting a little worried about the podcast thing. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but the podcast patent troll uh, has uh, gotten a list from the EFF. Is is, is is trying to get a list from the EFF of everyone who's donated to the Save Podcasting Fund? They right. Want, they which want, is amazing. Yeah, they want the names of everybody. It's getting a little creepy.
1: So, uh, have you donated to that fund?
0: I think so. Yeah, I did. Yeah, because I don't want podcast. I don't want somebody. You know, he's troll. What the, what the patent is is the ability to embed a media file in an RSS feed. Right. But people were doing that years ago. Like, it seems to me prior art's pretty clear in this case, but I I don't know.
1: It doesn't matter. It just costs a lot of money to take the lawsuit.
0: Yeah. All right, Mr. Dominic, was there anything else we want to touch on this week? No, I think we should let the BSD guys have a go. All right. Very good. Well, uh, we'd love to hear from you, and uh, we just read through a whole bunch of feedback, so we need yours again stock up our inbox by going over to jupiterbroadcasting.com and then clicking that coder or clicking that contact link and choosing coder radio from the drop down you can also join us live over jB live. 9 a.m Pacific noon Eastern on a Monday or join us in the soburn at coder com. Mr Dominic where should folks find you throughout the week
1: DominicM.com.
0: very nice very nice uh, follow me on the Twitter if you would twitter.com slash chris and check out jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar and join us on Sunday for Linux action show 300 why not what? You got something else going on? Jeez. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Code Radio. We'll see you right back here next week.